Hey there, quick note about this episode. Since we recorded it the first night uh, we did our previous episode, some of the little growing pains, audio issues that were there are present here as well, and I'm sorry about that. However, I assure you we have fixed that, and going forward, our future episodes will be much better. Until then, enjoy this discussion we did on Green Inferno as a bonus. everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Exploit It, our exploitation film podcast. This week, we're looking at The Green Inferno. I'm Alex Jowski. And I'm Kevin Daly. All right, and let's get started. So, The Green Inferno, Eli Roth. This one yeah, was fun. It is an Eli Roth film. That is exactly what it is. It was after Hostel, after Hostel 2. In fact, yes. people say it's part of his, like, travel and punishment trilogy. So they count the two hostile movies as one movie. We'll talk about that more as the as we go through it. But yes, that is that feels right to me. I was making those connections as I was thinking about it before I went to bed. And so the Green Inferno, the title, as we know from last week's episode, was the name of the fake documentary within Cannibal Holocaust. A very evocative name. It's green and it's hell. Yeah, it's hell. <laughs> I'm like, it's not just hot and humid. It's a place where people are. Brutally murdered and die. Tortured and die, yep. Mm-hmm. This one, I, I just really want to jump right into it. Sure, let's roll. So we open with these two natives that are just walking through the jungle, and it's like a father and son thing. And then suddenly big giant bulldozers there, and they like, ah, run away, and the credits start. And, and Tim Curry comes out of the smoke, starts saying, no, okay, that's a different movie. I'm going to make, fern, I've been making Fern Gully references. We're just, we're, we're doing jungle movies. Well, this one tries to make a, oh no, they're destroying the jungle theme, but it's not even a theme. It's just a setup. Yeah. <laughs> Very poorly realized setup. Yeah, like, it's not like this movie is telling us we need to. No, there's, we, I get, well, after after we discuss the movie in entirety, I've got some some notes about, we'll get there, we'll get there. I've got some, I got some thoughts. Like I said last week, I've got, I've got words. And so we're introduced to college student Justine. Oh, I'd like to say the opening theme gave me uh, Predator vibes. It sounded kind of like Alan Silvestri's uh, score for, for Predator. Same composer I thought of, too, throughout the yeah. whole thing. Because that theme is big and boomy. Yeah, it has a very Alan Silvestri. I, I like the movie. I actually like the music in this movie. I felt it was... Of course, the movie itself was more modern in terms of its construction. I guess that makes sense. And the... um. Justine waking up to protesters. To protesters. Justine, by the way, is played by Lorenza Izzo, who was married to Eli Roth at the time. They'd met before on a film called Aftershock, which was a Chilean-American co-production. I think I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, much of the cast in this came from Aftershock. Like, Eli Roth Hmm. met them all working on that, and he's like, oh... Well, I'm filming a movie in South America, and you all live there, so let's work together again. And I married one of you, so you're going to be in it anyway. Ah, that that explains several things about this movie. That's his actual real-world wife. And so she wakes up to the protesters that are 
protesting so the janitors at the college can have health insurance. Yes, because that's what kids do. Also, missed opportunity to have cannibal holocaust posters on the dorm walls. If you're, I mean, if you really want to drive the point home. Which is weird because they act so ignorant of the jungle. Like, well, if you've seen this, you kind of have an idea of what's going to happen. <laughs> right. This movie is all foreshadowing, by the way. Like, every scene is foreshadowing. <laughs> Even the ending. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that ending when we get to it. But also, it bugs me that they're protesting janitor health insurance. Like, the janitors don't get health insurance. Like, of course not. They're all work-study. Yeah, they're mostly kids, right? We also meet her roommate, Casey, who's played by Sky Ferraria, who is a... Popular musician. Yeah, I, I recognize the name, but I don't know much about her other than the name. I'd never really seen her, so the whole time I was thinking she was White Zendaya. <laughs> the, the look and attitude. I hated this character at first, but as the more I thought about her afterwards and her relationship with Justine, I actually found her to be one of the more sympathetic characters. I'm glad they didn't send her into the jungle to die horrible. Like we watched it today when I got on our from work, I realized I love that character. She's the yeah. best character. Yeah, she seems so horrible at first, and I'm looking back at her going, but is she? <laughs> so she... Well, at first, they, then her and Justine, they get up, they get their day started, and they go to get bagels. This is my this is my third note here. Wow, these college kids are awful, Casey specifically. Yeah. But then I thought about it, and I'm like, she's, you know, whatever, she's a 19-year-old. They're all, college they're all awful. Gen Z, Gen Z college girl. Like, that's that's what she is. It's fine. She starts talking about, like, rushing sorority, and she's not going to do that. She's like, that's for people that were stupid enough to go to Dartmouth. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, this, they're at, like, Harvard or something I'm trying to... They're in New York. Okay. So you've got Columbia and NYU... Well, NYU was in the in Cannibal Holocaust. That was like where the professor was from. So maybe it's NYU. It's never said though. It's never said. It's, it's obviously kind of a bougie private school. Yeah, we we learned that Justine comes from money. Yeah, money, money. Yep. They go back to the protest where Casey is ooh bagels to tease them because they're all on a hunger strike, and Justine's making doe eyes at the the protest leader Alejandro. Who's totally not sus. This is my next note. Alejandro, not sus at all, Kappa. That's yeah. What, that's what I wrote. He's sitting there playing some protest song on a guitar, and his girlfriend kisses him. And then we get the classroom footage, which I, I laughed at every time I've watched it, because it starts right in with female genital mutilation. Ha, 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 foreshadowing. The look on Casey and Justine's faces is just awesome. The, the look of, of two rich girls who have never actually been introduced to anything in the real world. And the, she's showing this slideshow, and she's talking about, like, they cut off the clitorises with broken glass or tuna can lids. And which also, which also bring again, we'll get to there when we get to there. Get to that. Well, the first she holds up, she's like, they use, sometimes they use this tool, and she holds up this gigantic blade. I'm like, that looks like a halberd, and nobody is doing it with that. <laughs> it's a very pre precise operation, as you can see. And they, um, she's showing all these slideshows of it, and you got that one fucking kid, Jonah, pulls out his phone and is taking pictures with a smile. Are you putting this on Insta? What the fuck, dude? 
Well, given the theme of the rest of the movie, I'm going to go with yes. Yes. And um, so Casey and Justine are like, why don't we stop this? Why don't we put an end to that? And she's like, well, international politics. Well, my dad's a lawyer at the UN. Yeah, that is not going to change anything. Anyway, let's talk about ants. Yeah. Also, haha, foreshadowing. Again. And then they go out. They shouldn't teach that class. I'm like, what class was this? Probably women's studies or but maybe a, some sort of women's studies class. Cause, or it could be uh, it could be like um, some sort of anthropology anthropology class? of of native cultures and I don't know. But then it's just also established that they're freshmen. What? I look. Eli, Eli Roth wrote this movie. That's all we need to really know about. I, I'm not sure he's ever stepped on foot on a college campus. Maybe a frat. Yeah, and so. They're, they're going out, and Jonah comes up to Justine and is like, you should join our group. It's called ACT. And that's the protest group. He's like, Alejandro asked for you specifically. So then we go to the dinner that she's having with her dad. This is probably my favorite scene in the movie. <laughs> it definitely has my favorite line. Oh, I, I think I know which line that is, too. I can, we can't go into countries and, and just take over the governments if we don't, just because we don't like what they're doing and Anymore. We used to be able to. I literally wrote, anymore, lol. <laughs> they they have this whole dialogue where, where she's trying to get her UN lawyer dad to end it, and he's like, well, we can't. And, um, where's your necklace? Your, that necklace was made from your dead grandma's silver, and it, you should have still play flute, and it's... Ha ha, foreshadowing. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere... We learned Casey's at the table. I love this. I said, this is my note again. I love that Casey is just sitting there watching the conversation. Watching this conversation. and just Because we're, we're just, it's just a one-two shot between Justine and her dad. And then suddenly Casey goes, are you going to finish that cheese bread? Yeah. Casey's not even there with her boyfriend or anything else. Casey's just sitting there as a third wheel, hanging out, eating food. So it's basically like a big old backstory dump for Justine. You used to play flute. You have a necklace. They, you know, Alejandro's like, have you ever wanted to save a native village? These natives in South America, their village is going to be bulldozed. You know, we're going to go down there. And Justine makes some smart-ass comments. Yeah, he's like, or you must be a freshman because of your insolence. Get out of here. Leave. We're back to my, my first comment. Not sus at all. Oh, well, oh, Alejandro's a character. She still decides that she wants to do this, and that's the one thing I never get, is what the fuck is Justine's motivation in this? I think it was hanging a, in a few times in the previous movie. What Dong. I'm talking about penis. Oh, like Egg she plant. wanted to hook As up with Alejandro? Yes, that is, that is her entire motivation. At least at first. Yeah, because then she sees that she knows that he has a girlfriend. Yeah... That's another one of my notes. Jealous girlfriend, classic. She's awful, though. Yeah, well, she doesn't stick around too long. No. So uh, they... Also, my my other note here: after she gets kicked, after she gets kicked out, and Jonah chases her down, Jonah seems nice. Probably dies first, Kappa. Well, also, because he's the darkest skinned cast member. I I didn't want to bring that up. <laughs> well, well, it's an exploitation film. I I, I know. It's... We're inevitably going to have films that that. He's also chubby in a cannibal film. Yes. He even makes a joke earlier about he eats, eats well. I'm not on a hunger strike. <laughs> like, well. He says, I'm obviously not on a hunger strike. Well, 
they all get together and they're going to South America. And their plan is that they're going to go to this protest and stream it. And that they have a an inside person that's going to hook them up with a satellite so they can stream it from the jungle. <laughs> right. And they all hop in and it's like they're going on vacation. And a dude asks for weed. My note says budget Seth Green. Actually, you know who that actor is? Uh. Daryl Sabara. He was the boy in all of the Spy Kids movies. <laughs> oh, well, we're going to Robert Rodriguez now, speaking of exploitation films. The brother, the little brother, you know, in all the Spy Kid movies. Still budget Seth Green in this movie. <laughs> it also makes me laugh when he says later that he doesn't want the machete. I'm like, but that's your uncle, Junito. That's right. that's right, okay, that makes that, actually that makes that way funnier. In fact, I'd be willing to bet that is an in-joke. That Eli Roth wrote into the script. They have a fancy dinner before they hop on their fucking Brad Pitt motor cabs. Oh yeah, uh, some more notes. Um, Casey says, "See you Monday," and all I can think of is a three-hour tour. Yeah, see you on Monday. Uh, cue generic South American music. Oh, also, our feels scoter. like we're gonna crash. Totally hashtag totally not foreshadowing. Totally not. You know, you've overloaded this prop plane with tons of kids. These kids are way too excited about motorcycle rickshaws. Especially Jonah. He's jumping up and down. He's like, I love these things. Spanish pop song music still isn't as bad as Cannibal Holocaust. Yes, I wrote that. Low rent, low rent Seth Green is a stoner. Shocked, shocked. Actually, not that shocked. Yeah, oh, the stoner. Well, every character feels like a stock flasher victim. I know. They, they, yes, they're all the most archetype of archetype. But Seth Green always plays that character. Like, he was in Scream, right? Like, that's literally the character he plays in Scream. Like, Not Seth Green in Scream. Oh, you're right. It's Jamie Kennedy, right? Kennedy. Yeah, that's right. Seth Green is in Idle Hands, where he plays he plays Scott Evil. Why was I thinking? Oh, he does. He looks like. Well, they're the same character. Uh, yeah, it is. You're right. Anyway, they yell. They all get down there. They're on the plane. They finally, um, Lars tells Jonah, like, oh, you're just a fat guy in love. Right, because everybody wants peace. I mean, she's the only, like, reasonable human being on the entire trip, but... Yeah, because we have that one girl, Amy, who's a vegetarian and wants to point that out every time she opens her mouth. And we get... Well, I mean, that's 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 the cliche, right? How do you know someone's a vegan? Don't worry, they'll tell you. Yeah, bullshit line in that plane that pisses me off. No, it's when they're on the boat. Like, well, what happens? How does this satellite know? The bald guy that's with them says, oh, well, we have this phone with GPS. And Justine goes, what's that? And Jonah just describes GPS. Well, there's these satellites in the sky, and so they he, have signals. Oh, he, yeah, he does mansplain pretty pretty hard there. And then we have that they pull over the boat, so Lars and Justine can go use the bathroom. Probably my least favorite line in the movie is say, hey, this is the girl's tree. I wrote Girls Tree, Lay Sigh. And, and then uh, and then I wrote Bargain Basement, Seth Green just showing off some half chub while pissing exactly what was needed for that scene. This one, um, that's the only nudity we get. It's a gratuitous penis is what I put. <laughs> yeah, so we kinda had the, the same reaction to that film. It's, like, it's not even like full penis. It's literally just like half of his like obviously tugged on just to get it a little bit of extra girth. <laughs> Like, like Wang there. 
Like, are we only seeing this so we can see that there's a tarantula nearby? Like, we didn't even need to see the tarantula. He comes running out of the jungle screaming about it. Yeah, I mean, it could. There's a whole bunch of ways they could have done that movie without just. I mean, not that it doesn't. Whatever, it doesn't matter. It's just kind of like why. It kind of goes back to the cannibal holocaust things. It's just like, all right, we're just hanging dong now. Cool. So they finally get to the uh, protest where the the construction site is. Oh yeah. Also, Carlos looks way too much like Colin Farrell. It's bugging me. I wrote that. Yes, Carlos is their 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 contact. Yes, I mean he is kind of important in a a certain sort of way. He's important off screen. Yeah, he's he's important to like the meta plot of the movie. Well, he's important to this part because he's the one that's holding all their passports. That's true. Well, he's important to them for the moment. That's true. So they all chain themselves to. Whitman and trees, except for poor Justine gets the broken lock, which was planned. Planned, yes. We find out because, you know, they blow up the, the equipment, and then they start screaming, like, this is the Yehay's home! Leave nature alone! Yeah, it's just like your most awful, cliched, like, environmental activist chanting known to man. Wearing blank masks, because Alejandro's like, we have no individual, we all the cause, or something like that. I, I literally, let's see, what did I write? I wrote, oh god, they're going full even for Vendetta with the stupid masks. By the way, did you know that the actor playing Alejandro, Ariel Levy? Uh-huh. He's a Chilean wrestler. That's his big, big thing. He's done a little bit of acting, but he's a luchador. Oh, wow, they didn't let him make use of those talents in the movie, because that... Because <laughs> obviously he's an incredible athlete, if you can do that. They just didn't let him, let him do that at all. That's, uh, wasted. But they... The construction guys, they pull off Justine since they realize that she's not chained. And they're about to, like, shoot her in the head. Where Kara, um, Alejandro's girlfriend, says, Go ahead, shoot her! Right, because she's the most insecure, jealous person ever. Yeah, I mean, even before, she keeps bringing up to Justine. Why are you really doing this? Why are you really doing this? I mean, she knows, but also, Alejandro's not all that interested in her anyway. And it's like, if you had a good relationship with Alejandro, obviously he's a horrible human being. Was, was yeah, obvi- as, as hashtag not sus. Uh, he immediately brings up, as they start screaming this, that her dad works for the United Nations. United Nations. And Justine realizes that she's just been a tool. This is all planned for her to be a tool. And so, of course, their, their protest goes well, I would say. Like, they, they, they get to leave. Uh, yes. They, they get to leave. And they get their passports back. And they all hop on the plane and they're celebrating. We were retweeted by CNN. Yeah, my, I, I was like, what did they do? This seemed to occur way too fast and they're celebrating way too early. Also, Carlos just dumped a boatload of cash to those cops. That isn't sus at all either. Uh, yeah. And plane crashes. <laughs> my note, the plane is going down. I'm totally surprised. Hashtag C, not foreshadowed. Not fortunate, you know, totally. Uh, and actually, the plane crash is well done, visually. Yes. I wrote, crane class looks fun to film, at least. I mean, yeah. And, the- and then followed by Rip Pirates. And then the practical effect guys just showing off with the mostly decapitated head. Yeah. And, you know, some fall out, and then they're, they're there at the plane crash. Oh, no, we're playing crash. What do we do? Find phones. Michael Bay shows up to blow up the plane. And I love what and then you have that one girl fall down in the seat. That was good. 
That was good. Ah! You fall through the tree. <laughs> Carlos is also super dead, so I guess the bribe didn't do much. Yeah, he's super dead. And then they're captured by the, the cannibals. The same people they were protesting to save. I said, I wrote, also took about 40 minutes to get to the survival part, then everyone just starts dying. Well, there's a bunch of dead there. Zero, zero to one hundred. And they're all, um, they're all knocked out with blow darts. <laughs> well, except for the girlfriend, which I wrote. Wonder, oh, okay. wonder how they decided who to dart and who to arrow. Did the girlfriend not look tasty, or maybe really tasty, and they just needed a snack? A dart and an arrow. She's darted, and then she drops to her knees, and then an arrow shoots right through her neck. And I'm like, good fucking riddance. I was sick of that character. Though she got the easiest of it, as we'll see. Yeah, because they bring them all, and they're, they're just waking up from their Frank Dart stupor. And the, the chief, the lady, he checks them all out, and she's speaking in their language, and then sends them all to a, a cage, except for Jonah. I said, not sure how, but the acting is worse than in Hannibal, Hannibal Holocaust. Justine is just chewing scenery. She is. She's screaming the whole time. Well, all the girls are. They, um, the two blonde girls, Samantha and Amy, yeah. who are now redheads because their hair is all blood-soaked. They <laughs> said, so I think the yellow lady is trying to figure out which cuts of meat would be best for which of the kids. I think she is, because they they take Jonah, and he's, like, still so out of it, and they're putting him on his rock, and he literally make, makes them. Make way real pigs. We eat long pig tonight. <laughs> oh, no, Jonah's not in the cage. I think I'm about to be right. They, they lay Jonah down, and at first he's like, oh, thank you, because they sit him down. And then they lay him down, and he realizes, oh, fuck. And then, what is it with Eli Roth and eyeballs? <laughs> also, practical effects guy showing off again. Oh, yeah. The movie has beautiful practical effects. He did a great job. They, um, he cuts, She cuts up his eyeball and his tongue, and she holds it up and screams, looks like meat's back on the menu. That's right. Eating great tonight, boys. And it's, I was wondering why they decided it was necessary to butcher him while he was still alive, though. Doesn't the mate stress make the meat taste terrible? Oh, well, I have no idea. <laughs> I thought that's what I heard. I've heard when you when you kill animals, you let them die too slowly. The stress makes the meat taste terrible. Oh, I thought we just killed them quickly to be humane. <laughs> well, I mean, there's that too. But yeah, they they cut they cut his arms and legs off while he's still alive, barely. Barely, yeah. Probably in so much shock that it <laughs> didn't really matter. And then they, they finally decapitate him. And she holds up the head and everyone cheers. Again, very good model head. Oh yeah, no, the practical effects are great. Yep. Top and tier. They, they cook them. Well, there, there's the scene where the, the villagers are prepping. And I love, I wrote this cooking scene is fantastic. Low and slow, guys. Low and slow. They're, they're grinding up masa like they're gonna make jonah tamale gotta gotta prepare those side dishes that was another note i, I wasn't lying when i said this was like a, a rough draft mst3k script now they're coming and lars is all oh i can smell my friend cooking they didn't cook him nearly well enough he got good char but it just wasn't it was too underdone oh yeah because once they take them out and they, they peel the skin back it, it's way too pink they needed to, yeah they needed to put it leave it a little bit longer in there i know they were hungry but they needed to leave them a little longer in there See when you're making like when you're making like uh, like barbecue like that, you need like 18 hours like human. 180 degree over over wood. Which, I mean, well, human works just as good as, as pork. You just make pulled human. It's fine. Can we? Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> the pigs are eaten. They eat them too. Yeah, but and that's. And I'm like, uh, beware of any man who owns a pig farm. Thanks, Prick Doc. Yep. 
Art Snatch, favorite movie. And then um, Samantha tries to escape. Yeah. Before that, though, can we talk about why they had the girl just take a shit in the cage with fart noises and then have the kids laugh? Oh, that scene. Yeah, that's before Samantha escapes. Yes. I actually have the note of Amy's diarrhea. I said, ah, yes, the classy girl takes a shit in the cage scene, complete with fart noises. I saved the review from Rotten Tomatoes that says, giving the movie a five-star rating. I love the part when she pooped. <laughs> ten of ten would watch again. She gets this horrible diarrhea and has to run to the corner of the cage. And this sound effects are just yeah, yeah, over yeah, the, the top. It's like, okay, I get that she's like stressed and like maybe you have to. I, you could make that scene not just a complete, like, ah, Jesus. The comedy. Because it's, the com- it's like, this is, I mean, the movie is funny, not intentionally. I mean, it's got obviously got some funny moments in it, but this is completely atonal with the rest of what's going on. She's pooping for like two minutes, and it's just sound effects it's of like... It's like a South Park bit. And fart noises, and he's like, I'm sorry, guys, I'm sorry. And then, yeah, you have the, the cannibal kids laughing and waving a hand in front of their face like, P.U. It's like, kids, you go shit in the forest. It's not like you do any different. Oh, and it's also before Samantha's escape that we get Alejandro's reveal. Yeah, with the top-tier skamas, yep. Oh, he's awful. Because he's like, well... And he drops the 9-11 truth or stuff, too. It's all his beautiful. It's a thing of, of glory. Yeah, he's like, there, um, there's another construction crew coming. And they're like, what do you mean? We, we protested. Well, no, see, Carlos works for this other company got paid off to just delay that one so Carlos's company could come and get the contract. So these people are still dead. You didn't think it was really going to work out for them, did you? This is how the real world works. Yeah, and that Alejandro is a piece of shit. Yep. And he even just seems like, you risked your life for a photo op, you son of a bitch. And it's immediately after that, that it's the next morning, when they take all the women away. Yeah, this is a... Uh... <laughs> so I had some notes here. I'm not sure I like where this is going. Man, she uses that claw thing for everything. Okay, it isn't as bad as I thought. I'm guessing she's a virgin. Either she's just safe or sacrifice. I go with the former since she's the main character. Because, well, she's checking to see if they're virgins. And Justine, she's like in pain and there's just blood dripping down her sides. And they're, they cheer. And like, well, it's not like that when he's like a high man, but I guess for a movie, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it sold the point well. I thought for sure they were going all, we're going to get, like, full-on genital mutilation, like, extended genital mutilation scene right there with all three of the girls. And it's actually while she's away that Samantha escapes. Right. They, they use a cell phone, and I don't know how they got the phone to... To call itself without signal. Movie magic. The wizard did it. I don't know. They set the phone to where it's making the ringtone, and they toss it in the woods so the guard leaves, and Samantha pops out and runs away, never to be seen again intact. <laughs> I wrote, yes, pork scraps. That's what it is. Totally not Jonah. Well, ah, not Jonah. The girlfriend. <laughs> and she's all painted up. The, the, the bald guy from Alejandro like, you know what's going to happen. They're going to female chemical mutilation. She's going she's gonna to die from infection. Alejandro goes, good, more days for us. That's right. They give them the 
park scraps. Alejandro's like, they're just park scraps. So the natives come and give them each a bowl of food. And Amy gets to the bottom of hers and finds Samantha's tattoo. Yes. And then the kids are, like, just wearing, like... Bring her skin. Skin tattoos. Amy checks out. She smashes the bowl, slits her throat, and dies. Which is pretty metal, not gonna lie. I mean, that's... Hey, she we went the quick way rather than going the Jonah way. Yeah, but they go the Jonah way. Or, uh, well, <laughs> we'll get to that later, too. They realize that um, they're going to come in and just they're going to eat Samantha anyway. So Lars is like, well, I've got something for him, and he stuffs the marijuana down her throat. And uh, meanwhile, Alejandro is just in a corner wanking. Yeah, get that bag, Alejandro. What do you think? <laughs> they're mad. Fat, 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 fat. Going on. Yeah. Literally, you can see in that scene too, over the corner behind behind uh, the other guys, is the corpse of their friend's throat slit, and he's just in the corner wanking it. He's like, "Well, you know, it's good to relieve stress." It's like, "Fuck you, Alejandro." And then the dude tries to choke Alejandro out, and he just starts beating it harder. <laughs> Alejandro, it's, it's horrible. Like, it's like, okay, well, I know what Alejandro's into. They cook Amy. Right, you can't let good meat to go to waste. And they're all kind of high, laughing. So, that was... I, I will point out that I did make a note that said, won't we just make them get the munchies, or won't they make them more hungry? Yeah, won't the weed just make them more hungry? Yes, because, well, they, they start to get away, and so Justine and the bald guy get out, and just as Lars is coming up, Alejandro takes a dart that had stuck into the cage and stabs Lars and knocks him out. Yep. And he's like, well, I'm not going to get eaten. They'll eat Lars before they eat me. Like, you suck, Alejandro. <laughs> and Mike like, nailed ahead. it. They totally have the munchies and are now going full zombie on it. <laughs> Lars wakes up and then like, natives are looming over him. He's like, oh, thank God, they're still high. And he's trying to do like the... Thing with his hand to entertain them. Yeah. And then they're licking their lips, and he's like, "Oh no, they got the munchies, and they're chewing on him, and they all the whole village comes to just eat him live." And he's like, "They got the munchies." And then this practical effects guy gets to show off again. He is very good. Yes, very very good practical effects. And then we get what is the guy's name? David or something? Bald guy. And yeah. just being at the river. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call, I'm gonna call him uh, Paul Rudd because he is the Ant Man. He is the Ant Man. There, got, I got it, nailed it. <laughs> I did not write that joke down. I just came up with that right now. To this little part of the river, and they're like, "Look, there's plane debris." And he goes across, and he's like, "Okay, come on, Justine." And she's blocked <laughs> right in the river. Right into the river, we have the, the big. Alan Silvestri-ish music starts up as she's slowing down the river. I was really river. hoping for some James Cameron-esque piranha action. Oh, so was I. But uh, I didn't get it. No, she stops on a rocky, gives her stick, and saves her. Then they find the plane crash, and all of the, the dead bodies there are now staked up. They, they try to find a phone from one of the bodies, but... They, they get cut recaptured. Stealth check failed, I wrote. Yes, stealth check failed. And then Daniel gets tenderized. Daniel, that's his name, Daniel. They must have thought the others were too stringy. Yeah, well, he's older. It's true. But maybe... But then they're, they're given the, uh, given Justine getting ready for the old FGM. Well, they take her, they're painting her up. 
and I wrote, at least it isn't a tin can or piece of broken glass. No, no, she has a tool. At least it's not the freaking halberd, though. It's true. The claw that the woman uses for everything. She is, like, sharpening it and cleaning it up and stuff. And meanwhile, they slather Daniel with paste. And then and we get the uh, foreshadowed ants. Yes. They don't kill him, though. No, not the ants, not the ants. Ants don't kill him, because what um, happens is, right when they're about to cut off the things up, they, um, they hear shouting, and people come running, and they find out that the, the next construction crew is there. Yeah, one of the bad guys slash good guys, well, part of one came. Well, no, yeah, because somebody comes in with a severed head with yes. a construction helmet on it. Right. That's why I said part of one was coming. Part of that. They, um, they, they form like a war party. They're big headhunter guy, the one that's painted all black. You know, yep. they all run off, so they put the... He's the, the mating, mating drone, that's what I think. Uh, they put the um, genital mutilation on hold. Yes. And so throughout the movie, they, their imprisonment, Justine's been showing off her flute necklace, which actually works as a little instrument. But nothing she's doing when she's playing it is actually playing the flute, because that's not how flutes work. She's playing a recorder for ants. That's right. That then has flute sound effects layered over on top of it. Yeah, and um, to entertain this little kid. The little kid happens to come and untie Jessie. So she escapes. She knocks this one woman out with a punch and pulls out her nose piercing. Uh, apologies to my wife, but that's why nose piercings are a liability. Well, she yanks it out and then kicks the woman, and she is down. Yeah, it reminded me of that scene from um, shit. What's that movie with Mel Gibson, uh, where he wants his his share of the loot, and that's all he cares about. Dang it. he's like a he's like a getaway driver or something, and they like betray him. I think it's got Gary Busey in it. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, yeah, he pulls out a kid's nose ring, and it's like. That's what you get. They run away, but they, they're stopped by Daniel. He's, like, dying of ant wounds. And he's just, kill me, kill me, kill me. And the little boy blows cocaine in his face and then slits his throat. I mean... Well, it's not cocaine because it knocks him right out. So yeah, that was... I mean, he mer the kid Mercy kills. <laughs> Mercy kills him. Because she couldn't do it. So the kid's like, yeah, I got this. Because, you know, I grew up in a cannibal village. We hard. <laughs> and so they they get away. He helps, the little kid helps Justine get away. Much to the chagrin of his family. Um, because, it's like, I guess that's his older sister. Yeah. That shows up and just kind of scolds him. So her and this other guy go out. and They're going to kill Justine, but she goes up and there's, like, this jaguar. Yeah, they, they mentioned the jaguar earlier as some sort of totemic thing. And the fact that she's able to just swim across the river to the jaguar and walk past the jaguar without... They're like, alright, she's fine. And they just walk away. Yeah, and um, that's when she gets to the construction site. And and the movie, if it wasn't already off the rails, completely derails at this point. Yeah, because it, it's just all the natives are running out with their, their spears just being gunned down in mass. Yeah, like this end of, like it's like the end of Last Samurai. Justine looks out of place. Well, she's painted totally white, her whole body, and she's wearing just like loincloth. Yeah. And she's got like a red band around her eyes. And 
So she looks like a native. She goes, I'm an American. I'm an American. Starts speaking fake Spanish. And... She has a phone for some reason. I know it's supposed to be the phone that she pulled out of that friend. Yeah. But they stripped her and put her in one cloth now. Where yeah. the fuck was she hiding this phone? Well, you could use your imagination. They would have found it as soon as they started the FGM, but... I know. Well, that would be the only place she would have been putting it, isn't her? I guess she... I guess there, there's uh, the back end as well. Yeah. Or it's a movie and it's a uh, continuity error. Well, because it's a weird thing to point out, but when they were doing the FGM, that wasn't the underwear that she arrived in. That's true. Because when they do that little virgin inspection, you see all their underwear... When they're doing the FGM, it's not the same underwear. Yeah, man, that, that lady used that cloth for everything. That can't be sanitary. Fucking cheesecloth. <laughs> so she, she pulls out the phone and is like, United Nations, Interneto. Philbo. Philbo. <laughs> and the mercenary, who's the one that was about to shoot her earlier, is just looking at her like, what the fuck is going on? And then he realizes that it's just fucking big. And he's yelling at her to drop the phone and then realizes and he's like, he calls her Maldita Gringa. <laughs> which basically means fucking white girl. Yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. And so they, they get her onto a helicopter. We get the classic asks, helicopter escape ending. And somebody, yeah, she's our final girl in this right. film. That's right. The final girl with the virgin. Just This movie is literally trope dot movie. It is. In fact, when I was researching like the third thing said, Green Inferno tropes. All of them. Yeah. And the, the guy, the helicopter pilot asks her, are you sure there's nobody else? Takes a long beat to think about it and goes, yep, nobody else. Which is the correct thing to say. Yeah, well, Alejandro's still there and alive. Yeah, but fuck him. Oh, fuck him to death. He deserves to be chopped apart and eaten. Because a horrible human being. Try sucking less in the next life, Alejandro. And so, she's now at some conference room. Like, UN people. Well, I do know why. Because, no, it's revealed at the end of the scene, but... She's like, oh no, these natives saved me. They were the nicest people ever. And the dad's like, you saved their village, honey. And, you know, I'm wondering, like, why the f*** did she lie about this? You know, did they traumatize her? They were going to do all this horrible stuff. They ate all of her friends. And she's like, and so she's walking down the hallway. And guess who's running up behind her? Yep. Alejandro's running under. Justine, Justine, I got away. And then she turns into a vampire. Yeah, she's got these big... That's the one bad practical effect. Those big. Yeah, that was not... I think that was done CGI. I think that was not practical. Effects. Yeah, the, the big fucking stupid goofy teeth she has. Because she bites into him and wakes up from a nightmare. I'm like, oh. Meanwhile, more uh, more protesting. Yeah, they're, they're free Samara. I guess is a Muslim woman. They have a picture of a woman and a job on their sign. Yeah. Yeah, they got Alejandro's face on their shirts like he's fucking Che Guevara. Yeah, because now I guess he's a martyr. Yeah, he's a martyr. And not for this specific cause, for this Muslim woman, Samara, that they're protesting about. Because that's another thing he says with the success of their protest. Well, success meaning... Uh, media, media cover? 
on media coverage. We'll get so many followers, so many people to join us now. You yeah. know, so and that's what it is because the protest groups are larger. So a win? Question mark. And so she just kind of and, and well, it just goes to the picture of Alejandro's face and cut to credit. Where uh, the novel thing about the credits is that the, the main cast it had all of their Twitter handles. Yes, which I wrote was very lame. It is lame. But I've never really seen that. Before. I mean, it is unique. But it, it it will make the movie very dated in say thirty years when no one knows what the hell Twitter is, or they remember Twitter is this horrible cesspit of a the bottom feeding dregs of humanity. Well, that's what it is. Yeah, I I uh, yeah, Twitter's pretty bad. Um, we have a Twitter though. Ours isn't as bad yet. Yes, we have a Twitter. Um, well, we've only had like two tweets. Just barely started. Yeah, give us time. Exploit podcast. So that post credit sequence. I did not see a post credit sequence. She gets a call from Alejandro's sister. What the fuck? Who says that he she saw him on a on a on a satellite photo, like fucking Eli Roth is setting up a sequel. And I and I literally wrote, I'm going to pretend that didn't happen, so that what mild enjoyment I did get out of the movie can remain. Well, yeah, you know, most people did because there is no sequel. Thank God. Um, there was talk for a while. It uh, didn't do very well, did it? I mean, obviously, I don't remember. It was nine years ago. Jesus Christ, I'm old. But it did middling. I mean, it got terrible reviews. And for good reason. It came out in 2013, so if we don't have a sequel by now, we definitely ain't get one. I well, I I hope that's true. It made 12.9 million at the box. Yeah, it's not particularly great, is it? It's a tough. Well, I'll say it's a tough sell for a movie, but it's basically it's basically hostile in the rainforest. Let's be honest. You got it, it is. Well, because the two movies that Eli Roth did after this, it um, Knock Knock, which is a home invasion thriller, um, and then he did what is it, The House with a Clock in Its Walls, which was a PG film. Yeah, he's doing Borderlands too. Did you hear that? He's doing the Borderlands movie. I mean, that's a game that's filled with uh, sophomoric humor. Not that it's a bad thing. I love Borderlands, but that that a lot that aligns with his sense of humor very well. I could see him doing pretty well with that. I loved the first one. I had that on Xbox. That's all I played. Uh, I like the second one a lot. I haven't played three. I heard Tina Tina's Wonderland, the new one. It just came out as great. Well, I don't do as much gaming. It's like, well, contemporary gaming. I do. As I stare longingly at the 479 hours I've put into Lost Ark in the last two months. But we are so, so off topic now. But that happens. But yes, uh, the movie, right. Um, I was thinking about it after the mo- I finished watching the movie, and it's hostile, like structurally hostile. Like, they go in, they go on some sort of trip, it's a bunch of dumb college kids that throw in, like, excited at a party, they get locked away, tortured and killed, one person escapes. They are self-entitled white people. Yes, that too. I liked Hostel. I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there. I thought Hostel was great. Hostel uh, 2? I haven't seen Hostel 2, but I did like the first one a lot. It's got fucking, what's his face? Roger Bart. Broadway <laughs> guy. <laughs> Okay, random. Um, you know who he is, right? The name is extremely familiar. He did the, uh, it was in Young Frankenstein, the, the musical. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was also in him. the producer. 
producer? Oh, yeah, he's the guy who's saying, that's why I know the name. He's the guy who's saying Go the Distance for Hercules, the Anna Disney movie. Because we listen, as, as you are aware, aware, I have we have a three-year-old, and uh, we listen to Disney Radio on SiriusXM, hashtag not sponsored, though if, if SiriusXM wants to sponsor us, uh, I, I will sell out. That's fine. Um, but uh, so, yeah, that comes on. It's like Roger Bart. It's like, oh, OK, that's cool. I don't know who this guy is, but I think I did I'd look him up one time. I'm like, oh, he's a Broadway guy. Cool. Yeah, but he was also in a couple uh, seasons in Desperate Housewives. He was in the Frank Oz remake of Desperate Wives. Oh, that the the new the new one. I use that in quote with Nicole Kidman, right? Yeah, he plays their delightfully flamboyant gay neighbor that's then turned into like Republican politician. That's amusing. I had a blast with this movie. I mean, it's fun, bad. You know, I don't, again, this is definitely not a good movie. <laughs> this, well, the practical effects are great. You know, watch it to appreciate the great work at, uh, of, of a practical effects artist who, uh, is definitely at the peak of his craft. The acting is mad. bad. <laughs> well, mostly bad. Casey's good. Like, she plays that, that kind of character perfectly. Unfortunately, she's kind of a, a not really a, a main character. No, and I'm glad she's cases. not because I would hate to see her die. I know that was the thing. Is like uh, thinking about it later, I'm like, you know what? I'm glad they didn't send her off into the jungle to die a horrible, painful death. The reason I start to like her more when I rewatched it is because talk of the movie that she's in, she is pointing out she is nothing but foreshadowing that. Justine ignores because her ovaries are quivering and whatever. That's that's what I thought. Oh, uh, because she's well, she has that stupid line of acting in this fucking gay. Right. <laughs> I, I did make a note about that. I said, seriously, was this dialogue okay even in 2013? Yeah, and she's she's pointing out that this activism is stupid. That these, and she's pointing out accurately that these are just spoiled little white kids that are pretending that they care. She's like, they don't actually care. They're pretending that they care. And she's right. And that's exactly what Eli Roth is pointing out about this like fake activism. It's interesting as I was I was this is this was actually the topic I was thinking about when it comes to uh, this movie and the differences between this and, and Cannibal Holocaust is you have one that's directed by actually he's not even a boomer, the guy who Diodato is a lost generation guy. But uh and then uh, a guy who was um, uh, Gen X yeah. and representing the Gen X worldview. This is a nihilistic movie. Make no mistake about it. A lot of things happen just for the sake of sadism. I, we were discussing this on the previous episode where it's like there were scenes in Cannibal Holocaust that were just pure sadism. Everything this cannibal tribe does is sadistic. It's not like, the, oh, they're the enemy. Okay, cool. Well, if you were doing that in front of their... You know, none of these kids were supposed to get out alive. They're literally doing what they do just to psychologically torture these these kids. And so the whole thing is this very nihilistic film. And it definitely comes from the mind of a Gen X guy who's a nihilist. You're getting that they're, they're not just like natives doing a thing. The fact that they are so extremely sadistic, is, it crosses a line into racism. Right, yeah, they're... 
it's it's not that they're doing this ritualistically or anything. The, like the things they do specific. The only thing is the, the the FGM stuff is obviously ritualistic. Like, and they established that. Like, and that and that's a real life thing too. So that makes sense. But like literally butchering their friend, like tearing out his eyes and tongue, cutting him into pieces in front of their friends. Uh, why? You know, for what? Why? You know, if you want to eat him, all right, cool. Like, chop. <laughs> Decapitate him and eat him. Fine, whatever. But like they put him through all that just to wipe his friends. Watch it. It's just, it's yeah, it's pure sadism. Like what? What purpose did the ants serve other than torture? Right. And the way the kids are always poking fun at the, their prisoners, other than laughing about the diarrhea. There's a part where they're like holding the snake in the cage and laughing. Then they're like wearing the tattooed skin of that. Like like it's just a. It's ah ha ha funny. Look at this. Yeah, it's it's gross. Yeah, and obviously it's you know it's it's definitely torture porn. It's not it's not what Cannibal Holocaust is in terms of the survival element and the you know and the found footage sort of stuff and that sort of style of exploitation. This is definitely an Eli Roth movie. This is definitely a torture porn film. Yeah, and it's just it's just bad hostile, unfortunately, in the jungle. Next week we're doing a very, very different kind of exploitation film. So stay tuned for that. I'm not going to say what it is or what type it is. And people might say, well, that's not exploitation, but I'll defend the fact that it is. So, any last thoughts? At least Laura Gemser wasn't in these. Oh, R.I.P. Laura Gemser. Yeah. No, I, I'm joking. I've just seen so many Laura Gemser movies. We saw a lot of Laura Gemser cannibal movies, too. It's true. It's credited in the credits for this one, in fact. What, in fact, like, uh, Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals predates uh, Cannibal Holocaust. It does, yes. So, yeah, he has a list in the credits of, like, the history of cannibal films. Can you list Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals? Yes. Not Papaya Love Goddess? No, but I do love that movie. <laughs> um, the last thing I do want to say is the... Uh, in the special in the special thanks credits, Eli Roth thanks that the thanks the place where he shot Peru or whatever they shot, and writes, "We look forward to dining you with you dining again with you soon." Oh yeah, because that's one of the big production things that I forgot to bring up is that this was an actual tribe isolated from people that had never even heard a movie, and he showed them Cannibal Holocaust, and they laughed. They thought it was a comedy. <laughs> he got them all involved in the production, and that's a Essentially, it's own exploitation because he had them on the crew, and I'm like, oh, you're just getting free labor. Yep. You capitalist fuck. Oh, well, like I said, he's a, a nihilist Gen Xer, so he doesn't care. A let, the wor- let the world burn. Yeah. Right. Until next time, um, Alex Ostrowski. And Kevin Daly. We will see you then. Good. Good night or day. Like, comment, like, comment, subscribe.